We're starting this new series on Hebrews. Hebrews is a kind of a, a mystery when we look at the overall picture of the New Testament and the books and how they were compiled and what their purpose is and how they fit in to the Bible. You know, it wasn't until the fourth century that the book of Hebrews was canonized. Almost 400 years after Jesus died and went to heaven. This book had been written a few years either before the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple or just after it. And so it became then a book that was written not by the disciples. Many people think it was written by the Apostle Paul. And it has kind of the earmarks of Paul in terms of content but in structure and in some of the statements that are made, we know that it absolutely was not Paul. So quit the arguments right now <laughs> as to who wrote the book of Hebrews. We don't know. And in some ways, that's, that's a blessing to us. Because we can't just say, well, you know, Paul, he said this and this other part, or Peter said this and this other part. How does it match together. And the amazing thing is that we as human beings, when we look at the same thing and we describe what just happened, there's going to be about almost a hundred different things that you will say about what just happened on the dedication of Haru. If we were to stop you before you go out the door, what's the comment that you would have to say about Haru? as you went out, there would probably be at least 50 different versions of what happened just now, right? But for the most part, you just saw it, you just experienced it, it really happened, and you can report on it as a witness, right? And that is what the compilation of the books of the New Testament pretty much fall into that structure of how they came about. It's reporting what happened, what they knew, and the conclusions that they came to of what they saw. So Hebrews, though it's a, even by its name, is somewhat alien to us. How many Hebrews do we have in this room? I've asked this question before. How many of you are Jewish in this room? Yes, I see that hand. But... There's only one that I know of. She is a follower of Jesus Christ. And we thank the Lord for every person who is of that race who has come to know Jesus as their Messiah. Bless Israel, church. Bless Israel. We prayed for America. We prayed for this country. We need to pray also for Israel. The word of God says that. He who blesses Abraham, who blesses Israel, will be blessed. Lord, we just bless Israel today for the hard place that they are in. Help us when we hear of news that is putting the, the Jewish people down. Lord, we want to lift them up and that they come to be those who recognize Jesus Christ as Messiah. 
We pray in his name. Amen. Anyway, we have different ways of talking, different ways of explaining something. In fact, that's probably one of the biggest problems in my marriage (laughs) is I see things in much different pictures than Katie does. Everybody in this church that's been here for over a year, can you agree to that? (laughs) But we're saying we're looking to Jesus. And why are we saying looking to Jesus? For a book that is written about Jewish things, we're going to end up with the, the actual reason, but those of you who have been reading Hebrews, and by the way, if you're going to stay for this whole series, which I don't know when it's going to end, probably sometime next year, that's a long way off. That's a lot of messages. I'm already tired. <laughs> why did I title it Looking to Jesus? Okay, here's the reason why. What's happening in 2020 in Tokyo? The Olympics. This writer draws out an analogy of the Olympics in running. How many of you have ever been in a a race where you're running? How many of you have been in a race? Okay, quite a few of us. There's a great runner in the back row over here. Paul, would you stand up? Have you ever seen this man on TV running? I'm sure you probably have if you've watched any of the marathons around Japan. Paul is one of the top runners in the marathons in Japan. And we're thankful to have Paul with us as a believer in Jesus Christ who worships with us. You train a couple of or three disciples, right? And I've met uh, some of those guys. I haven't seen them run. I'd love to see. They probably run just like you. We are looking to Jesus. Just a minute, Paul. Don't sit down. Don't sit down. (laughs) We are looking for winners. We're looking for those who are following the winner. And as people that are doing that, we need to model what our leader, what the winner is doing. He's our best teacher. Do you get it? And so when... We look at Paul. We see things that he does when he runs and we want to model it in the same smooth way. I went through several videos this past week just looking at runners. I was a runner. In fact, I got a third place medal. Not in the Olympics, (laughs) but I was a runner. I will never forget one incident where the runner right next to me pushed me off the track and I fell in the middle of the track on the last lap. Do you know what a 1320 is? It wasn't a sprint, but it was not a long distance run. But that was my specialty and I placed third in Southern California. Not first, but third. But in that race, I got pushed off the track by this other runner. And I looked up, and they were ahead of me. And it was like I got up and ran, and I made it into third place. Now, that's not boasting of me, but it is 
talking about what it takes to walk the Christian life. Endurance. And we're going to talk about some of the words in Hebrews. Paul, the Lord bless you as you run for him. And the, the guys that are with you in that, bless them to bless the Lord. And go for the gold. Look to Jesus. Bless you, brother. Thank you for standing up and being a model to us. Mm-hmm. Looking to Jesus. We're, we're just going to have an overview today. We're going to look at the key focus, key words, and key verse. The key focus is by faith. What's the most famous chapter in the book of Hebrews that you know? 11. What's it about? That is what is called the faith chapter. Faith is the heart of what Hebrews is about. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith, what is faith? Well, it's just kind of believing. It's just kind of, you just know it. Faith is, well, I went to the bus stop and it said the bus would be coming at 9.03 and pretty much, at least on the trains, but the buses also are very accurate within five or ten minutes. But the trains are right on the minute. And faith is not like that, though. You go with the expectation You're thinking that this is what it will be, and you're hoping, but you don't really know for sure, but you have faith, and so you're there at 9.03, waiting for that train. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And then another part of that is the convictions of things not seen. Now, that jumps to way out of my range of my illustration, because with the faith that you have in God, you can't see God. No man has seen God and lived. We can't see God. But we have in our hearts a conviction. There is a God. And you know what? Everyone has that conviction, even if they are an atheist. And I'll talk about that some other time. Atheists even believe there is a God. I won't explain that, but think about it. Another verse out of Hebrews is, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. That last statement, the rewarder of those who seek him. That is a key, seeking the God that lives, seeking the one who gives life. We're seeking him and seeking after the truth. Key word, a lot of the key words that we have in Hebrews are comparative. It's comparing the new to the old. For instance, 35 times in Hebrews, there are the phrases better than, more than, greater than, 
and other places where it says this one was good, but this one was better, or it was more, it was much more. And so there's a lot of comparison of the old. When we talk about the old, it's the Old Testament, the old economy, the old Testament that we have in our Bible that explains what is in the new, and the new is greater. Comparative, better than, more than, you'll see it there. And I would really encourage you, read through Hebrews. Here's your homework. Read through Hebrews at least five times before I finish my series on Hebrews, okay? Is that a promise? No, we need, we need to be fervent and we need to be good students of the word. Sometimes I make mistakes up here and sometimes like Flossie or particularly Katie or others of you come. Ted Namiki has come to me and said, did you mean this word? Okay, please come and talk to me about it. Other words, frequent words, faith. 39 times. Covenant or promise, 39 times. Rest, it's 13 times. Endure, 12. Tabernacle, 9. Hope, 8. Now, I didn't go through my whole Bible and and number all those. You know, today we've got computers and you can just go through the, and it just pops up the number of what these are. So anybody can be a scholar these days. Here's the verse that backs it up, What comparing the new to the old. For on the one hand, there is a setting aside of a former commandment because of its weakness and uselessness. Wow, those are powerful words. For the law made nothing perfect. And on the other hand, there is a bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. What is Paul saying? Or not Paul. (laughs) What is Hebrews saying? (laughs) But here's what Paul's commentary says on it. Paul said in Romans, For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the flesh. The law was powerless. The writer of Hebrews said, It's useless. Wow, that's a pretty strong word he was using. If we are relying upon killing an animal and then sprinkling its blood, that it would forgive our sins? No, we have to do it again tomorrow and we have to do it again next year. That's what the Jewish people were doing over and over and over again. Many thousands, probably millions of animals were slaughtered for the redemption, for the forgiveness of sin. And none of them were useful. None of them accomplished that purpose. The only purpose for all of that slaying of animals was to point to the Lamb of God, the only one who would take away the sin of the world. Do you believe that? Do you grasp that? Do you understand that? I trust so, and I trust so in the study of Hebrews. It was weakened by what flesh? We cannot keep the law. We can try and we can try and we can try to be a good Christian. That is not how you become a good Christian. 
by just being good and, and just going around and just doing whatever anybody says like a little robot. No. Our hearts are willful. Our hearts are of such that we will do what we will want to do. Thank you very much. That's who we are. There's not a one of us that would say, that's not me that you're describing. Well, you better wake up because that is the human heart. That is the human heart. God did, he did accomplish by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man as an offering for sin. He thus condemned sin in the flesh. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. And I trust that when we get done with Hebrews, there will be many of you who will just overwhelmingly say, we need Jesus. That's what our goal is. That's what our purpose is in this months-long study of Hebrews. So much more so that also Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Everybody knows what a guarantee is. Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant because he kept the whole law. And so he says, come to me, all you that are weary, and you will find rest to your soul. That's a guarantee. Come to me, and you will find rest. What a guarantee. Therefore, he is able to also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And we forget about that, don't we? That Jesus is making intercession for us right now. He sees us struggling. He sees us in our attempts to try to be like him. Jesus, help me in this time. I'm sensing this temptation, and I want to go your way. Fill me with your love, whatever it takes to forgive this person. Fill me with your purpose and desire that I go ahead and lay aside TV time for time in your word since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is praying for us. And then thirdly, key verses. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And I referred to our friend Paul. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, this chapter is after the chapter 11, which is the most famous chapter on faith. This follows right on with it and says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, there are many, 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 many names in chapter 11 that they're talking. By faith, Moses. By faith, Abraham. By faith, by faith, by faith, so-and-so did this. Those are witnesses. They've gone ahead and done what was required. By faith. They're examples to us. They're cheering us on. They're surrounding us. They're in the stands. It's like we're in a race. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance or weight and the sin which is so easily entangling us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And then we come to 
what our theme is. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is also running. You know that Jesus did not hit the tape yet. He did not finish the race. He did it in his own life. And now what he's doing? Come on, run. You come on. Come on. You can do it. You can get second or third or 300th or three billionth. But finish the race. Finish the race. He's cheering for us. He's the one we're looking to. He's the one that's done it. He's the one that can endure. The author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 